Hello and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. What are you made of? And uh, I'm going to start off by reminding us of why identity is so key or so important. Okay? It's because it's the root of all fruitfulness. So everything in your life flows from who you are. Right? Who you are determines how you live. It determines what, you're, what uh, fruitfulness you're having. Who you are determines your ability. Okay? Who you are determines your ability. Uh, who you are in Christ determines your ability in Christ. And so, you know, in and of yourself, you're limited in your ability, in your capacity. But, in Christ, you have a limitless ability. Uh, Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Proverbs 23 verse 7. So, the way that I think determines the way that I live. And so, if we look at our lives and we're not too happy with the way that, we, that they are, we probably need to change a, a, a bit about our thinking. Okay, there's something that we're focused on that we shouldn't be focused on or something that we're not focused on that we should be focused on. And let me just say this. I know that there are some people, someone said this to me recently, uh, 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 you know, but it's, it's not just about saying the right things. I'm trying to remember the context of where I heard this. It's not just about saying the right things. It's about believing the right things. Okay, it's got to be in your heart. It's got to be something that's got a root in your heart because otherwise, you know, it's just, you know, we all know someone who just talks and doesn't really have any root in what they say, right? They just talk, 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 but there's no action. Okay, it's not rooted in something. Okay, we need to reset our defaults. That's what we're talking about. So, whose opinion is the most powerful opinion in your life? Whose opinion is the most powerful opinion in your life? Okay, yes, it's our opinion. God's opinion of you doesn't have any power over you unless you believe it. The enemy's opinion of you doesn't have any power over you unless you believe it. Okay? The same thing with anybody in your life that you find challenging. Their opinion of you doesn't matter unless you believe it. Unless you value them. Okay, so, you know, God's opinion is powerful. But we only experience the power of that when we believe it. So we've got to learn what God thinks about us and then choose to believe it. Otherwise, we're never going to live in that. Okay, so let's look at Romans chapter 5. I want to show us something here. So much easier if I use my iPad here. So <laughs> we're going to do Romans chapter 5. And you know, in Romans chapter 5, we see the gospel beautifully kind of presented here. Starts off and says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is saying that through Jesus, through our faith in Him, we've got peace with God, but we're made right with God. We're justified. We're made just as if we've never sinned. Okay, is that your opinion of yourself? Because it's God's opinion of you. And so often we don't feel justified. We don't feel just as if I've never sinned. What do we feel? We feel dirty. 
We feel like we're not good enough. We feel like if you, if you haven't done something horribly wrong, you might feel like you haven't done enough horribly right. You know, you feel like you're kind of like, if you look at the scales of right and wrong, you're, not, you're doing maybe either too much wrong or too little right or nothing wrong but nothing right. And you're kind of just like kind of in this place of condemning yourself either way. And it's not healthy. It's not producing fruitfulness. Because if you don't believe that you're justified, you're never going to have peace. You've got peace with God, but do you believe you've got peace with God? What are the results of having peace with God? What are the effects of it? Think about it. Think about the manifestation of that peace when you believe it. The manifestation of His goodness when you start to believe that He sees you as just, justified. Just as if you've never sinned. But then you go through Romans chapter 5. And it's a great uh, chapter on the gospel. Okay, Verse um, 12 is, 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 is one of the key verses, I would say. It says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by, by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all, for that all have sinned. So now it's starting to talk about Adam and Jesus is going to come in. Okay, And it's contrasting the first man with the last man. It's, it's contrasting what, what Adam did, and the effects that it has in our lives. And it's contrasting with Jesus and what Jesus did and the effects of that in our lives. So now here is one of the biggest problems that we have in our lives as Christians. We identify more with Adam than we identify with Jesus. Okay, because think about Adam. Okay, um, Adam uh, uh, fell, Adam and Eve chose, and they, 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 we said they fell into sin, but... They chose. You know, we call it the fall, but it's the jump. You know, so, so Adam and Eve made their mistake, okay? And as a result, all of humanity affected, was affected and had a crisis, okay? And uh, this crisis brought in sickness, death, pain, suffering, lack, all sorts of things that were never God's intention. But just focus on death for a moment, okay? Sin, death came in because of sin. Okay, so none of this was uh, God's heart for us. And in verse 14, we say, we see, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over uh, them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come, but not as the offense. So also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more. Everyone say much more. So much more the grace of God and the gift of grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, and is abounded unto many. So we start to see that what we have in Jesus is much more than what you got in Adam. And yet, let's just inspect our hearts for a moment. Most of us have a greater expectation for the effects of Adam in our lives than the effects of Jesus. That's why we don't see it working as, as well as we should. Because we have more faith in the power of Adam in our lives than the power of Jesus. We identify more with Adam than we identify with Jesus. And it's easy... I'm trying to make you feel better by saying this and myself feel better. It's easy to do that. <laughs> because we live in this world. And so we, 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 we tend to get dominated by what, we, what we're experiencing, by what we see. And then we're living amongst all these people who, who speak Adam and, and 
talk about not Adam, Adam, but you know the effects of Adam. That's what I'm talking about. They'll speak about Adam. They'll 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 glorify Adam. They'll glorify the effects of Adam, and they'll say, you know, uh, uh, prophesy about the effects of Adam in your life. And I'm not talking about spiritual prophecy. What am I talking about? Well, you must be careful you don't do that because. <laughs> or, you, you know, the, the, the things are really getting bad now. And they're just kind of like talking Adam, Adam's language. But we're not talking the language of Jesus. We don't have a hopeful expectation of good things. Except when we may be in church or around our Christian friends and we're like, hallelujah. <laughs> then, we, then we talk, but what is our default? What's our default? What do you default to when things are going wrong? Do you default to thinking like Adam or thinking like Jesus? Because <clears throat> this is quite a big problem in our, it's an identity crisis. This is one of the biggest problems, I believe, in the body of Christ. Is that we, we're, we're not, we're more familiar with Adam than we are familiar with Jesus. And so, you know, we, we, we kind of get into the natural thinking about things and not the supernatural thinking of things. Yeah, as I was pre- uh, preparing and just spending some time in prayer, I was even challenged with this. And, and uh, I felt God say, you know, like the, the, the reason why we don't see as much supernatural things in our lives as we, 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 we desire or we'd like to is because we don't contend for it. We don't go for it. You know, someone, someone asked me a question and said, you know, how, are you seeing many results in praying for the sick? And I thought to myself, that's a good question. I see great results, but at the same time, I'm not nearly seeing as much as I would like. Why? Because of lack. It, it, I put it as lack of opportunity. Meaning, I'm not praying for as many sick, or I'm not realizing there's as many sick people, or whatever. But it's like we're not contending for it because, you know, kind of maybe we're just distracted with everything else. But it's like if we want to think like Jesus thinks because that's our identity, then that's something that we should contend for. What do we do? What, what does that mean? It's like, well, you just keep ministering, keep praying, keep resisting, keep speaking life, etc., etc. With these things. Anyhow, what you believe, and especially what you believe about God and about yourself, is going to determine what you experience in this life. Okay? Ephesians chapter 1, let's go there. I like what uh, Kristen said in the beginning, because... It kind of flows nicely into what I'm wanting to get into here. Ephesians chapter 1, verse uh, 3 to 6. In the New King James Version, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to, his, to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. So, when we read that, one of the eternal blessings that we have let me just throw this out. Uh, 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 it's interesting. It says we're blessed with how much? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. One of the things that we fail to do when we read Scripture is look at the context. And so, you know, a lot of times in the Bible when it says all these things, 
It's talking about all these things in this chapter. <laughs> okay, like we are more than conquerors. You know, through Christ Jesus. Look at the context. What is it talking about? Yes, we're more than conquerors in general, but look at the specific things. Or, if, or one of the best ones that we, we like to misunderstand is... Um, It's out of my head for a good reason, I'm sure. Ephesians, let's just go into Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 to 6. Okay, so one of the eternal blessings that we have here is that we're accepted in Christ. One of the, 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 the blessings, spiritual blessings that is ours, and you, you might be thinking, oh, is that it? I was looking forward to money. Where, where's the money? Where's the money? That's what the, the spiritual blessing I want. Money is not spiritual. Okay? <laughs> money is not spiritual. So it's not talking about money. What is it talking about? It's talking, one of the things it's talking about is being accepted. Being accepted in the beloved. That's my, worth much more than money. Yes. And I know many of us are probably saying, well, we could use the money right now. It's nice to be accepted by God, but the money would help. And I agree. Amen. But here's the thing. When we are so rooted firmly in, in the, the knowledge that we're accepted by God, what happens? It gives you a confidence in life even. It'll change the way you work at work. It'll change the way things happen in your life. It'll change everything. I, I know that for many of you, your testimony is that after discovering more about your identity in Christ, what happened? You had a confidence boost. It wasn't a confidence in self-esteem. It was a confidence in Christ-esteem. This really changed my life years back when, I, when I, I discovered that I'm not supposed to feel good about myself. It's not about self-esteem. It's about Christ-esteem. Who I am in Christ. Because apart from Him, I can do nothing. That's what He said. John chapter 15. Apart from Him, I can do nothing. And yet for a lot of us, we have more confidence in ourselves apart from Christ than we do with Christ. Be honest. You, you, you have more confidence in, in uh, uh, I, I'm trained for this, I'm equipped for this, I, I can do this, I know how to do that. This is my strong point. Yeah, I, 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 it's not about that. Apart from Him, you can do nothing. So whatever you're doing apart from Him is nothing. <laughs> doesn't matter how good it looks it, it, it's not as good as it could be think about that for a moment apart from me Jesus says you can do nothing so that means if you're doing anything apart from him it's nothing so give up you know I'm, I'm being honest give up and be like Jesus I, I don't want to do it without you and then allow his power to, to flow through you so let's look at this word accepted in the Greek, it's uh, chiritu, which is defined as a grace of a special honor or highly favored. So this phrase is uh, not, it, 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 it's conveying the idea that you're accepted in the beloved. God doesn't merely tolerate you. That's what it's saying. God isn't just tolerating you, He's celebrating you. Okay, and he's not, I'm not talking about you and your problems and all of that kind of stuff. He's not celebrating that. But he sees value in you. And he, he, he loves you for you. You're the reason he went to the cross. Okay? The Passion says, um, The same love he has for the beloved, Jesus, 
He has for you. Think about that in terms of identity. The same love the Father has for Jesus, He has for you. So just close your eyes for a moment. Close your eyes. I'm looking around so I can see if you're not closing your eyes. Close your eyes. And just think about that for, for a moment. The same love the Father has for Jesus, He has for you. Now let that sink in for a moment. How much the Father actually loves you. The same amount that He loves Jesus. Think about that for a moment. Can you hear the psychologist asking, how does that make you feel? <laughs> think of, you can open your eyes. But think about it. How does that make you feel? Because for some people, it would make you feel like, but Jesus is perfect. And you automatically get into the comparison mode. But Jesus is perfect, so I don't understand how that can be because I'm not perfect. And you're thinking about all the flaws that you have. Or we're thinking about all the flaws that you have. I'm joking, you're not. But the point is, is that God is, this is an issue of faith. You can't look at your life and try and see yourself the way God sees you. You've got to look at the cross and see how God sees you. And it's an issue of faith. It's an issue of faith. Believing that God, you said, I'm right with you. So I'm believing that I'm right with you. So you're a child of God. You're chosen. And He fully accepts you. The Bible there says you're holy and without blame. God doesn't just tolerate you. He likes you. He loves you. Have you ever spent time with someone that you tolerate? <laughs> and you can't wait to leave. And you're trying very hard. Obviously, present company excluded. <laughs> and you're just like, wow. <laughs> you know. <laughs> God, when is this going to end? Let them stop talking. Or whatever you, you're, you're praying. You know. God doesn't do that with you. He's like, why have they stopped talking? Why have they stopped? Like, I, I, I wanted to hear more. I wanted to fellowship with them some more. I wanted, to, I wanted to hear more of their heart. I was enjoying Anna express her heart to me. Or, you know, like imagine that. God just saying, you know what? Sean's been too quiet today. <laughs> you know, and for some of you, it's kind of like he's got that revolving number. It's like a six days with no talking. And he's like, it says morning child. Seven morning as in, not morning in the morning. But it's like morning, M-O-U-R-N. Morning. He's mourning the fact that you've got a week of quietness. And I mean, yes, in the quietness we can hear His voice, but usually we're too busy to do that. We're just quiet and that we're not talking to Him or allowing Him to talk to us. The same love that He has for Christ, He has for you, even on your worst day, even on your, at your lowest point. Okay? He's not just putting up with you. You know, you're not a, an orphan. You're a child of God. Have you ever felt rejection at some point of your, of your life? You know, a lot of people operate out of rejection. They operate out of having been rejected in some way or some form at some point in their lives. 
And you know what? One of the ways we, 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 we kind of respond to that rejection is by performance. Okay? We're trying to be the best we can be at everything. So it's like in, 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 in your, make, your, maybe your academics or maybe in, in sport or uh, work or whatever the case is in your life, you're just like, I'm just going to be the best that I can be. But subconsciously and deep in your heart, it's because someone made fun of you or someone rejected you or your parents said you were never good enough or something. And that kind of sometimes evolves into this thing of, uh, into your relationship with God where you feel like you're never good enough for God. So now it's like you're in performance mentality with God. Do you know what's amazing? Is God doesn't give two hoots about your performance in terms of uh, acceptance. Living holy, living right and whatever, it's important. Because it benefits you, it glorifies God, and so it's important. But we don't do that for acceptance. We do it because we're accepted. We don't do the right thing. We don't serve in church because we want God to notice. We don't, we don't give into the offering bucket because we want God to notice. We, we do it because God notices. Now look at it. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Who was thinking about who first? God was thinking about us first. We have this mentality in our relationship with God where we think that God, like we're trying to get God's attention. Have you ever been at one of those bless their hearts, uh, transformation, prayer events? The, the predominant attitude in those uh, uh, stadium prayer meetings is God notice us. God, we're trying to get your attention. God, let, let's shout. Let, let's get God's attention. It reminds me of uh, the prophet with the, the, the uh, who was it, Elisha? And the, the, the prophets of Baal. And they're shouting out. And he's like, maybe your God is sleeping. <laughs> Shout louder. A lot of Christians live like that. Like, you know, and the enemy is coming and he's going, busy with something. You need to shout louder. Give more. You know, and maybe you need to dance harder. Fast longer. You know, and, and we get into this performance mentality of trying to get God's attention when for God so loved you, He tried to get your attention. And God is actually just trying to get your attention because you're accepted. You're not trying to get accepted. What does it say? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you are saved through faith. For by grace you are saved through faith. So grace is, we've got God's attention. Okay? Grace is, God's giving you His attention. Grace is the unmerited, undeserved, unearned, free gift. And God, it, 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 grace is, you've got God's attention. But you're saved by grace through faith. The through faith part is, God's waiting for your attention. God wants your attention. That's what faith is. Giving your attention to God. Um, Hebrews chapter 12 says, that um, uh, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. 
So looking unto Jesus actually also generates that faith. How does faith come? By the hearing the gospel, by the word of God, the gospel. So when we, what is the gospel? It's the message of Jesus. So you focus on Jesus, what happens? Faith rises up. So faith is giving God your attention. Now, God's giving you His attention. So that, that's actually pretty liberating. Because a lot of people think faith is trying to get God's attention. A lot of people think that I'm going to fast long. And then it's going to happen. Or I'm going to pray hard. You know, a couple of minister friends that I've got... Uh, uh, we often will make jokes like that. Like, you've got to pray hard about this one. <laughs> yeah, you've got God, God, God needs to come through for you or whatever. It's like, we think that faith gets God's attention. It doesn't. God's trying to get your attention. And so all you need to do is give Him your attention, and then that's where the power happens. Grace and faith meet, and that's where the power happens. Okay, and it's all based on the fact that he accepts you. His opinion of you is settled. His opinion of you is settled. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, says, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. He chose us in Christ. He chose you in Christ. What does that say? You are a holy one, blameless, chosen by God. And you know what the amazing thing is? Is God knows that you're not perfect. God knows that there's things that maybe you're not doing right or you, you should be doing better or whatever. But that's not how He's judging you. And He's not looking at you going, I really wish John Mark would try harder. Like, I really, really wish that, you know, Edelweiss, tut tut, you know, it's like, that, that, uh, I'm really, really desiring that she would just pull up her socks. I mean, God doesn't think like that. Amen? He's looking at you in faith. He's looking at you in faith going, hey, I've got a hopeful expectation of good things to come out of you, of good things for you. Just give me your attention. Because He wants to work through you. That's the whole idea with Galatians 2.20, which we're going to get to in a minute. He's not judging you according to your mess-ups, which is good news. Amen? Amen. One of, uh, let me mention it here, Hebrews 10 verse 17. One of the most um, unbelieved Bible verses. <laughs> Hebrews 10 verse 17. And their sins and iniquities I'll remember no more. We don't, we don't believe that because we pray and we remind God of our sin. We talk to people and we're reminding, we're like as if we're reminding God of our sins. Like we, 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 we focus, like you walk into Christian bookshops and there's a lot of books about sin. Not about Jesus, but about sin. And most Christians live their lives trying to break free from sin. Well, if you're trying to break free from sin, where's the focus? Sin. Okay, Romans chapter 6 says that you're dead to sin. So why do we focus on it then? It's not good for us to focus on sin. It's not good for us to sin. But the solution is focus on Jesus and realize how alive you are in Christ. How alive you are to God. Amen? 
So we're going to look at um, Galatians 2.20. Just open it here. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. So now this... Now, now we're accepted in Christ, we're accepted in the Beloved, that's a, an identity thing, I'm not just tolerated. And, and we've got to kind of realize how does that work. And it's because the moment I said yes to Jesus and I became a Christian, I identified with Christ. I identified with Christ. What does that mean? It means that whatever is true of Him now is true of me. 1 John 4 verse 17 says, As He is, so am I in this world. So, what is that? that that's saying I'm identified with Christ. I'm not just trying to live for Jesus, I'm here. But now I've been united with Him. Okay, you know the verses. 1 Corinthians 6 verse 17. He that has joined us to the Lord is one spirit. We've been united with Christ. We're one with Him. That's where we need to be living from. Because that's our true identity. Okay, look at it in uh, Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. What does that mean? It means I'm dead. I mean, think about it. I have been crucified with Christ. I'm in the wrong book here. What is it? Galatians, not Colossians. Thank you. I'm like, that's not working. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So this is saying, I'm dead. I'm dead. You know, this is identifying with Christ. This is what identifying with Christ it's talking about because I'm now one with him everything that's true of him is true of me so when he died I died okay and yes we can still see each other and we're still breathing here hopefully and we we're alive and we're kicking but this is the point okay read Romans chapter 6 specifically and look through it it's talking about how the sinful nature is gone the old man is gone that's part of your identity now there's no black dog in you Trying to fight for survival. He's dead. I, I, I used to think that. That there's this big black dog and this big white dog inside of me and they're fighting. And I realized from reading Romans chapter 6 that the black dog is dead. <laughs> and that he looks pretty intimidating but he's dead. That's the whole idea of having more faith in Adam than in Jesus. In the effects of Adam than in the effects of Jesus. Because I'm, 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 I, I, I was looking at my sinful nature and all the things I was struggling with and I was thinking, wow, I'm pretty messed up. My righteousness is small. That's what I was thinking. Because I'm looking at everything that I am in the natural and I'm not looking at everything I am in the supernatural. I, this is what I needed to realize. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. So if Christ lives in me, do you think He'll allow a black dog to live there? <laughs> do you think He's going to allow a sin, sin to, to live there? You know what's amazing is that 1 Corinthians speaks about how um, uh, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? What is your body? Do you, uh, Jackie, what is your body? 
Is that, that this is your body? <laughs> That's your body. That's good. Are you, are you, you know which is your body. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we know where our bodies are. So let's think about this for a moment. That's not your body. <laughs> the Holy Spirit doesn't live in it. He lives in that body. He lives in your body. The point is, is that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. That, that, that suitcase can, can dissolve. Put some acid on it. Right? It, it can disappear. It shouldn't. It won't. In, in Jesus' name, it won't. But the point is, is that now we have... The, 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 the Spirit of God lives in this. This. Okay? This is where He lives. Jesus is in here. Now I've got to realize that He's 100% in me. That's my new identity. From up top here to the bottom over here. Glad I can try and reach down there. So all the way around, this is where God lives. But I don't experience that as much because I don't think about that as much. Why? Because you're more familiar with maybe a sore leg or not feeling so good or whatever than you are about the power of God inside of you. Why? Because you're more familiar with the natural than you are what the Word says about you. And so, you know, the more we get into the Word, the more we know what God says about us and what's true about us, and then we can start to experience that. But until we get into the Word, we're thinking about what we see, what we feel, what we experience. You know, even the, this week I had someone tell me that um, they messaged me and they said there's just something really wrong. Straight away I was like, praying tongues. <laughs> I was like, I don't feel good sometimes, that's what I do. So I'm just going to give you the medicine I take. Okay? Pray in the Spirit. I promise you it's going to help. And you know, I was like, just, just go eat something and go to sleep. Maybe you're, you're, you're tired from working so hard, maybe you haven't eaten properly. You know, that's kind of uh, what I do too. And uh, it was amazing, the change. <laughs> maybe it was the food, maybe it was the rest, but let's say it was the spirit. Okay? It was all three working together. The point is, that if the spirit is living in this body, this is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I've got to look after the temple too. Okay, I've got to look after the temple, definitely. With different ways, like, you know, carrying your bag around, uh, 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 eating properly, going for exercise. Whatever you're doing, you need to look after your body. But, let's just pause there for a moment and think about this. We must also, we must not neglect putting faith in our divine housekeeper. Think about it. He's living inside of you, so don't you think he's going to clean up once in a while? Or all the time? Or don't you think he wants to make sure that his house is nice too? So you, you, you need to put faith in that, that thank you, Father, that you're at work in me by your Spirit to repair, to mend, to look after. Yet we need to become conscious of his Spirit in us. Otherwise, you'll never experience his Spirit in you, except when you die one day. And then you're raised up. <laughs> and you're like, wow, now I've experienced the resurrection power. The resurrection power is not just for one day. It's for now too. And we need to recognize and realize that so we can enjoy that. Amen? So our identification with Christ is that we've died with Him. 
that we've been buried with Him, we've suffered with Him, we've been made alive with Him, and now we're seated with Him in heavenly places. Look at uh, uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6. This should change the way some of you pray. This should change the way we pray. How do you pray? Like, what, what do you pray? Think about it for a moment. Do you just talk to God? That's good. Someone asked me the other day, why don't we um, say the Lord's Prayer? Maybe it's a valid question and I can answer that sometime, but I was shocked that someone would even ask that. But anyway, that's another time. Question for another day. Based on this, this, um, this verse, it should answer that. Okay? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, it says, And has raised us up together. Who's us? Who's us? <laughs> it's Christ and the believer. He's raised us up together and made us sit together in play, heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You need to see the togetherness of Christ and you there. The togetherness of Christ and you there. Okay? And where are you? Seated in Christ in heavenly places. You know what that's talking about? Is authority. So I want to challenge you for this week ahead to pray like Jesus would pray. That's praying from your true identity. So, so, so now if we're going to pray according to our identity, pray with a boldness like Jesus would pray. Okay, but now think about if... If Jesus was standing here in bodily form right now, okay, let's say I'm Jesus in bodily form. Okay, he's in me, so it's not too far from the truth. So let's say I'm praying now. Okay? I'm praying for healing, I'm praying for whatever. For a miracle, I'm just praying. I'm just speaking blessing over the day, whatever you want to do. Okay? You're praying. I'm praying. Think about what Jesus would expect as he prays that. Think about the expectation that Jesus would have when He speaks. I mean, He's standing at the entrance to the tomb of His friend, who's been dead for three days. Huh? Four days, sorry. And what does He say? Lazarus, come forth. And what happens? Out walks a mummy. <laughs> and they have to take off the grave clothes. Okay? Do you think Jesus was doubting, standing at the tomb? Jesus had a boldness. Jesus had a confidence that when He spoke, something was going to happen. And so we need to have that kind of confidence and expectation that, hey, you know what? You know what I, I kind of see it like is like, if for, for, the, for a lot of us here, I know our stories. <laughs> okay, for a lot of us, I know our stories. I know my story. I know a lot of your stories. Okay, what happens? You put a, a, a frog in a pot of water and you turn the water up to, to heat it and what happens? The frog doesn't, it kind, kind of just keeps, keeps going, you know? Or what happens if you've got a, 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 a jar full of, um, I don't know what even to say, but it's water and there's like kind of some salt in it or something, you know, and you shake it, it kind of mixes around, but if you stop mixing it, what happens? It kind of just starts to settle, right? 
And the salt would go down, I assume, or something. But the point is, as you see, what it, what, there would be some kind of uh, a settling down. And that's what I believe a lot of us have experienced today. We've, we've experienced a settling down. Why? Because we haven't been shaken up. And whose job is it to shake us up? It's yours, to shake you up. It's my job to shake you up. It's your job to shake me up. What a, that's one of the major purposes that the Word of God gives us for going to church. Okay? It says, don't neglect the gathering together of the saints. And then it encourages us to provoke one another towards love and good works. What does provoking mean? I like that word. Provoke towards love and good works. Provoke towards action. Provoke towards your true identity. Provoke towards living like Jesus and living for Jesus. So, I mean, if I come and provoke you, don't get upset. I'm just being obedient to the word. And we need, to, we need to shake ourselves up and shake each other up. Like, what does the Bible say? It says, stir up the gift of God within you. Stir up the Holy Spirit within you. It's not up to God to stir Himself up. He's waiting for you to stir you, to stir Him in you up. And so as we stir up the Holy Spirit within us, we, then we can start to overflow. But otherwise, you've just got those water... You know, it's... it's, it's um, it just becomes stagnant. It just kind of settles there. But if you start to stir it up, it's almost like it starts to overflow automatically. We do that by raising our expectancy. We do that by raising our expectation, by, by focusing in on our identity in Christ. Because this is where victory is. Okay? But I want to show you one more thing. Okay? Where does powerful faith come from? Where does powerful faith come from? It comes from knowing your identity. Knowing who you are in Christ. Knowing that you are righteous. That He sees you as right. So if you're struggling in your faith for whatever reason, one of the keys is probably identity that you're not focused on. And you need to focus on your identity. Not, I mean, I, I've uh, had the list, identity list. I don't know if we have some more at the back still there. But we'll put some maybe more next week. But if you, if you read through those identity lists, I would read them out aloud to convince myself. But you know that I haven't read it out loud in years. I must maybe do it again. But it's because it became part of my heart, part of my default. But then, if you don't continuously focus on those things or give attention to them, you become desensitized to them. So we need to continually remind ourselves of those, thi of those things and stir it up in our hearts. Last verse, Philemon, Philemon, uh, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 6. It says, uh, that the communication of thy faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. That the communication, I love the word communication there, it's koinonia. Does that excite you? <laughs> the reason, what it means, koinonia, is partnership. It means communion. So it's saying that the, the communion of your faith. What is the communion of your faith? The togetherness, the partnership of your faith. Communion is a word of intimacy in the New Testament. 
It's talking about intimacy with the Father and intimacy uh, the Father and the Spirit, but intimacy with each other even in the Spirit. So what's this talking about? The communication, the partnership of my faith with God, because now I've got His faith, and my faith with you, my faith can become powerful, can, can become effectual. My faith can become and begin to work because of my union with Christ and my union with you, because we're one as well. And so don't try and fight your battles alone, because God's put us in a family so we can stand together. But then the second part of that is uh, by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you. So this is the foundation. Okay, first of all, we're not alone, we're together, and we've got Christ. But secondly, there's good things in me. The Holy Spirit in me. There's good things in me. We often don't, we see ourselves as a deficiency. And not as a surplus. Your identity is that you're at a surplus, not a deficiency. So start to see yourself at a surplus, at an overflow of the Spirit. Not at a, I'm dry and I'm cracked and I'm weary and I'm waiting for Jesus to come. That's not your identity. That's not who you are. You're full of God. You're full of God. You know what, what, what verse you can stand on for that? Colossians chapter 2 verse 10. You're complete in Christ. The verse before that speaks about how you're filled with the fullness of God. Because you're filled with the fullness of God, you're complete in Him. You're perfect in Him. You lack nothing. I think it's the New Living Translation says that through your union with Him, you're now complete. Complete means lacking nothing. It means that you're, 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 you're perfect in His eyes. So you need to start to see yourself as, I lack nothing because I've got Jesus, because I'm one with Him. And then pray accordingly. Amen? Amen. Father, I want to thank You for these truths that we can operate in a boldness and a confidence with a, a hopeful expectation because of who we are in You, because of our identity in You. And so Father, I just pray for each person here right now that they would be provoked further this week. <laughs> that they would be stirred up further this week by those around them, by the, 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 the reminders of this message, by the Holy Spirit, that we would, we would stir ourselves up to, to rise up, to be all that you've created us to be, to rise up, to live in the fullness of what you've got for us, Father. In the name of Jesus. Help us not, Father, to settle down and to become complacent, but help us to acknowledge the good thing in us, the Holy Spirit in us, and to stir Him up towards love and good works through us. Help us to recognize and realize that it's not in and of ourselves, we're dead. It's not about us, but it's about you in us. That, that gives us a limitless ability. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Help us not to be more familiar with Adam than with you, Jesus. Help us to be more familiar with who we are in the Spirit than who we, we were in the flesh. Help us to realize that it's by grace. And all we're doing is giving you our attention. Because you've given us yours. Thank you, Jesus.
I just feel a challenge from, from the Lord for each of us this week as well. And it's beyond all the things that I've said already. I really just feel like the Lord just encouraging us, inviting us to live as if this were the last week of life for humanity. The only way you could make a fruitful effort of that, a, a fruitful attempt, would be to be so sure of your identity. It would be to be focused in on who He is in you. Father, help us to rise up with a boldness and a confidence to give every day everything we've got for you. Not by might, not by power, but as an overflow of your Spirit within us because we're overwhelmed by your love. We're overwhelmed by your goodness. We've seen your mercy and we can't keep it to ourselves, Father. Thank you, Father. The beginning of the year we started off and I was saying let's, let's uh, contend for the things we're trusting God for. And I was saying let's, uh, let's, let's trust God. Let's continue to pray into things that we, whether it's healings or miracles or whatever. We, we want change in different areas of our lives and we want to see the power of God manifest. And so, it, 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 you know, just in line with that, let's, everybody who, who's trusting for something, even if you weren't here from the beginning, that's fine. Just stand up now. And let's just invite the, the Lord just to minister as we close off. Father, we just thank you that for the areas that, that are represented standing here now, I just thank you, Father, our hearts are open to receive and we just invite you to minister into those areas, Father. I command a release of power and life into every situation, whether it be health, whether it be finances, whether it be relationships, whether it be uh, 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 your mind, whether whatever it be, right now in the name of Jesus, life flow in Jesus' name. I just command life to manifest in your body, in your organs. Thank you, Father, right now for creativity. I feel like there's a couple of you right now that that's what you're trusting God for is a, 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 a big idea. You, you're trusting Him for some kind of creativity. Right now in the name of Jesus, Father, I thank you for a manifestation of that creativity. I just feel like God's just saying it's going to be wild. <laughs> it's going to be something that you didn't expect. And Father, for those who've kind of lost hope maybe in, 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 in trusting for their breakthrough and trusting for their healing or whatever, Father, we, we look to you. I just encourage you, if that's you, just in your mind, turn your eyes on Jesus and just say, I'm not looking at the outcome. I'm looking at Jesus. Just say that in your heart. I'm not looking at the outcome or the lack of outcome. I'm looking at Jesus. Hope deferred makes your heart sick, but hope is deferred because your eyes aren't on Jesus. It's on the, the, the lack of results. So don't look at the lack of results. Put your eyes on Jesus and keep focused on Him. And as you're focused on Him, hope will rise in your hearts. Thank you, Father, that right now you're restoring hope 
and a positive expectation in our hearts. And for those who are in that position, Father, I thank you right now for a flood of life and power to overwhelm them now in the name of Jesus. I command restoration into that situation right now, into your body. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I just feel like I see a picture of a a roller coaster. And I just feel like God just saying, you might feel like you're on a roller coaster right now, but don't take your eyes off of me. Don't take your eyes off of me. Life will take you places sometimes you don't want to go. Don't take your eyes off of me. Because with me, even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you can fear no evil, for I am with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that you are good and you've only got good in store for us. Thank you, Father. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.co. And if you're ever in the Cape Town area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.co.